You're listening to Take Care from WRVO Public Media. I'm Jason Smith. And I'm Katherine Loper. Infertility has become big business with apps that track your cycle and supplements that claim to set you up for success. And now venture capitalists are getting in the game with huge investments in fertility startups. Joining us to discuss the reason why is Kate Clark, a reporter at TechCrunch. She covers startups and venture capital. Our discussion focuses on Kate's recent article, It's a New Era for Fertility Tech. In it, she reports on why fertility startups are fielding calls from venture capitalists. When I wrote that, I was coming from the perspective of the fact that not a lot of private capital has been invested in the space at all. And actually not until this year, 2019, a little bit last year, did we see venture capitalists sort of start putting their dollars into women's health, whether that's fertility or feminine care products or anything like that. And because there wasn't a lot of capital going into the space, there just wasn't the ability to have great progress and innovation because the founders weren't getting the capital that they needed to build great businesses there. That leads us to the next logical question, why the sudden influx of money in women's health and things like fertility? As a society, there's been a lot of changes, and I think trends in venture capital definitely connect to how we behave just as people. I think people have become more comfortable discussing them, and I think when it comes to fertility, men have become more comfortable discussing it, and unfortunately, venture capitalists are mostly men. And when you have that, oftentimes men won't invest in topics and fields in which they can't relate to or don't know a lot about. So we're seeing more men become comfortable and knowledgeable. And I think probably with fertility, that has something to do with it. But it's really tough to pin down, you know, a reason as to why we're finally seeing so much investment in that space. Regardless of the reason behind the influx of cash in the sphere, the result is new innovation. So we asked what kinds of things tech startups are addressing in the fertility market, one of the most basic being technology that tracks menstruation. You know, there's a lot of period trackers. I think that's kind of still a really big one. There's companies based all over the world that are focused on this. Max Levchin, who's a co-founder of PayPal, co-founded a company called Glow, which is a period tracker in that space. And as far as new advancements? There's a company called Progeny, which is about to go public. That's more of a information platform. And that company is going to be the first IPO in the space, which I think will be a really good test the investors' appetite for these businesses going public will give us a behind-the-scenes look of how the business is operated and how well it does. So that's really interesting and a big advancement. Clark says there's an array of physical products being developed outside of fertility in the startup space as well, like new options for breast pumps and feminine care products. And there are companies rethinking in vitro fertilization and egg freezing at a brick-and-mortar level sort of trying to reinvent that old model by potentially, they say, making it cheaper. I think that that's not proven yet. We don't know whether these are solutions that will actually be more efficient and more accessible or if they'll just be startup-y versions of what already exists. The health and wellness industry has been a moneymaker for decades. As an example, the most popular and occasionally short-lived diet plans don't come free. Think Atkins or South Beach. Your first 10 meals may be free, but that's where it ends. Anytime that an investor is going to be interested in a market, they're going to ask you, what's the total address, total addressable market? And if it's not in the billions of dollars, I think they'll probably just sort of turn the other direction. So this is a big market. I mean, many, many people um, are affected by fertility issues, whether that's being infertile or just struggling to get pregnant, men and women on both sides. It makes a lot of sense to me why investors would be interested. It's surprising that it has taken so long for it to become something that you can actually bring up in the San Francisco tech community and that people actually be interested in having a conversation about it. I think that's not until the last year that became somewhat of a conversation starter here. 
But is this a market that has staying power? Will fertility startups stand the test of time, or will many of them go by the wayside with increased competition for market share and investor dollars? Most of the businesses that I've covered are pretty early in their life cycles, which means you know they have a lot of growth left to do. They might get acquired. They might go public. And those are factors that will matter a lot because investors are going to be looking at those exits and be thinking, okay, if these companies truly can have successful IPOs or M&A exits, then we'll keep investing. So we have to wait and see. And I think that will be a big factor in determining how big this really goes. But for now, I think a lot of investors are looking for their very first company in the space to invest in. And because of that, I think this will only continue, I would say, for several more years before it kind of peters out. You may have noticed some other companies getting involved in the fertility space. I noticed that Fitbit has a fertility tracker feature and wondered if other companies were doing the same. Very recently, I think it was a few months back, Apple for the first time announced a fertility tracker or a period tracker or something. It was like one of their very first women's health launches within the Apple Watch. And that is something that Apple could have done a long time ago and didn't do. And I think part of the reason that happened is they're seeing innovation from these startups that are really driving the conversation forward. So I think you'll see that. And then you'll see, say, egg freezing clinics or IVF clinics, if indeed the startups have found a way to make the entire process cheaper and more efficient, then they're going to have to look at their business and figure out how they can cut costs because they're going to lose all their customers to new solutions that are cutting out unnecessary costs. But I have yet to see that actually happen. And I don't know if startups truly have figured out how to make that significantly more accessible for women. Competition, like Clark mentions, is usually good for women. We ask if this matchup of tech fertility startups and venture capitalists will have any lasting effect on healthcare as a whole. There will be more options available. The trends in the startup space really do have impacts across the entire ecosystem, whether you're looking at, you know, a healthcare company or a software company or whatever it might be. I think having more available and having really smart people thinking really hard about how to make these experiences better is a net positive. So it will just drive change across the industry. And there's certainly no downsides to having, you know, a lot of smart people thinking about it and have a lot of money going into it. That's the latest in health this week on Take Care with Kate Clark, a journalist for TechCrunch, writing about startups and venture capital.